Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Ah, I love Christmas. I'm wearing a vest because I'm protesting the fact that it's not rain, uh, snowing outside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to hope and I'm not going to let go. Um, hey, I want to talk to you tonight about home. Home is a powerful concept. Uh, the idea of home, we see it all the time in films, we see it in songs, we see it in literature, we see it through all kinds of connections. And as we do, um, I, I think it's because Home is such a unique thing and such a powerful concept for us. The idea that there is a table where we have a seat, a place, a community to which we belong, where we have history and heart that is shared amongst those at the table, a place that that we belong. And home is a powerful concept. And in fact, you think about some of the movies, the ways this kind of shows up. Any of you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Home is really what makes it powerful. Uh, Tinge, what's the name of the new Spider-Man movie? No Way Home. Uh, it's at the heart of that story. You think of even the kind of manly movies like Braveheart and Gladiator. What are those really about? Ultimately, uh, those movies are about uh, seeking justice and freedom from tyranny at home. Uh, E.T. wanted a phone home. Uh, and so that was, you know, taking it back a little bit, a little bit further. Uh, every Toy Story movie you've ever seen, what is Toy Story always about? It's about a particular life transition that takes place at home. All of these things center around the home because home's such a powerful thing. And so as we think about that, I need you guys to do something with me just to loosen it up a little bit tonight. And so I'm, I need you to participate with me. Can you guys do that? All right, so we're going to sing a little song, and I've got, a, I've got a hint on the screen behind me of what song we're going to sing. And so I need you guys all to jump in. I think some of our worship team is going to help me get started. And so you guys clear your throat. Everyone kind of loosen up, sit up straight, get ready. And I need you to sing out loud so that everyone can hear you if they're watching online at home. And so Chris Clark, I'm going to give you a count of three. Can you get us started? All right. One, two, three. <laughs> I know you know it. Okay, everyone, everyone, one more time. Let's get this out there. Cut it loose. Man, don't you already feel better? I never understood why you call mama a mountain. It seems like I'd get you in trouble. But, uh, but I, I love the song. And you guys know what it is to try to long for home and to feel that connection. And there's a reason why that song's resonated for years and why it does. And, and the fact is that home has a powerful pull, I think, because of not just something human, but I think because there's something divine implanted in us that desires home. 
that we desire a connection for a people to which we belong, that we can trust, that we can trust there. It's also uh, why home is so personal. It's one of the reasons why people are sometimes sad and lonely at Christmas time. Uh, because sometimes we're longing for a family that no longer is together. Or maybe we're longing for loved ones that have passed away. Uh, maybe, maybe we're longing for because um, a broken home is incredibly painful. So sometimes it brings some sorrow and it brings some sadness to us. It's why orphans need to be adopted and find a family. It's why uh, the evil of slavery and war, dividing families and breaking families up forever is such an atrocity and why we long for a sense of community and try to find it in all kinds of ways. You know, even churches long for home, right? Our church, if you look at this, like we're about to move to a home and there's a sense of excitement in the life. You can get excited about that. There's a sense of excitement in the life of our church right now because we feel like, man, we could have a place of permanence to where we belong in the middle of a city. And so that gets us excited. But ultimately, all of this desire for home is, I think, about something greater than even just the earthly homes we find. I think there's ultimately a desire. And here's what I want you to see tonight, is that your desire for home is rooted in, in a deeper and stronger desire for a relationship with God and Heavenly Father who wants to welcome you to be a part of His family. And so we're going to look at what scriptures have to say. We're going to look at John 1. For those of you that go to church with us, we've been in John 1 for the last three or four weeks, and we're going to finish that tonight as we look at this on Christmas. And um, we're going to read just a few verses here in John 1. I'm going to start in verse 9. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now to understand what the Bible's saying here, you have to understand two different images. One is light, and the other is the word. And both of those images are about Jesus. And so first, true light. When, uh, when the scriptures in John here talk about light, it's talking about God revealing himself or unveiling himself. We sometimes say in our culture, well, I want to shed some light on that subject. That's what God was saying. He's saying when Jesus came, he was shedding light on an important subject, which is what the purpose of life is and how we might have a relationship with God. And so Jesus was coming as the true light or true wisdom, telling us how it is that humans are supposed to flourish on the earth under the care of God through this one named Jesus. Now, the second image is the word, and it's related to the image of light. Christ was the living word. And so he was a word spoken, communication from God to man so that we could understand who Jesus was. And just like we talk about the word of God, what we see in John 1 is that Christ was the word of God in the flesh so that we could see the most clear, tangible, obvious example of what God is like. And so if you want to know how far God would go to communicate himself to humanity, Look at verse 14. It says, And the word was flesh and dwelt among us. He was willing to go all the way to become one of us. In fact, he left the comfort of his home in heaven and became one of us and moved to earth. He chose to live here amongst humanity. It's kind of a smelly lot, isn't it? I mean, like, we're, we're kind of a mess at times. I mean, this isn't the most, you know, I think of the glory of heaven, and then I think of some of the areas in our town, and I think, well, that seems like a downward trend. 
you know, for Jesus to come and become one of us, and yet he chose to move into our neighborhood and take up residence here. Um, Some of you have sent daughters or sons away to college. I did that this year. I had to send my two oldest off to college, and I remember going and dropping one off in a dorm room, and then dropping another one off, was going overseas to school, and dropping them off at an airport, and saying goodbye, and just like, I'll see you at Christmas. And it was hard to see, let him go. Think of what it meant for the Heavenly Father to give his only begotten Son to allow him to leave the comfort of his heavenly home and enter into the mess of humanity and become one of us. That's what is, this verse is all about. Now, sometimes we think about God as this kind of a force out there, this grandfatherly figure in the sky, this, uh, this, kind of, this image of someone that's up there overseeing things and uh, wishing well for us. But what we see in John 1 is that we don't have to really speculate about who God is because we can look to Jesus. And we can see who Jesus, see who God is. We don't have to speculate about what God is like. We can look at Jesus and we discover what God is like. He came and showed us himself. We don't have to speculate about whether or not God cares for us because God sent his only begotten son because he loved the world and he wanted us to know him. Now, in verse 14, that, that's what it means when it says he dwelt among us, that the heavenly father sent his only begotten son from the comfort of his heavenly home to an earthly home in order that he might redeem us. Now, both the Bible and historians tell us that Christ did not have a very glorious beginning. Uh, Look in in Luke chapter 2, the famous passage here. I want to just read a few verses and you kind of get a flavor of what Jesus' birth was like. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and all the, that all the world would be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered to each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Jesus' birth was far away from his heavenly home, wasn't it? Um, it, When it talks about him being born in an inn, uh, the word there for inn really means home, meaning there, there was no place for him in a home. There was no place for him even in a guest room of a home. And so and Mary and Joseph had to look around and find a place, and they did the best they could. And really, by the second century, it was even known among non-Christian historians that Jesus was born in a cave that was used to store livestock behind someone else's home in another city. And so this became the understanding of what it was. And you think about Jesus being laid in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough for animals, oftentimes a shallow place in the bottom of the cave that was carved out where the animals would come and eat, and that's where Jesus slept. That's, it's into that, um, that, that small cave that Jesus was born. It's where he took his first breath. It's where he, uh, he uttered his first cries. It's where he, he learned to drink of his mother's milk. It's where they wrapped him in long linen clothes, which were intended, they believed, to keep his, their arms straight. So they, white, they, they, they wrapped them up in swaddling clothes because they thought it would help them grow strong. And he was welcomed by Mary, an unmarried teenage mother, who was engaged to a young man named Joseph. And they were away from family, away from home. And Joseph himself was just a young man trying to make sense of all the things that had been told to him. Now think about the majesty of that. 
this young man who's love of his life, this one to whom he's engaged, he discovers is pregnant, not by him, but um, he has an angel that appears and tells him this is, woman is pregnant by divinity. And he's to marry her and raise the son of God. And as this young man and this young woman are there with this infant in a cave amongst livestock, this is what it means that he put on flesh and dwelt among us. God became man, and he was definitely away from home in every possible way. Uh, Jesus went on a little bit later in Jesus' adult life. Jesus says this, he said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So even in his ministry years, when he was kind of flourishing in many regards, he had no home to go back to. John 1 says, uh, going back to the verses we looked at earlier, it says, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. The people that he had created, the people that he had cared for, the people he had watched over as his chosen people rejected him. And not just rejected him, but they cast him down, they beat him up, they falsely accused him, they crucified him, and then they laid him dead in a tomb. Do you know that even the tomb that Jesus' dead body was laid in was not his own? He was even away from home in the tomb. He was in a borrowed tomb that someone else offered to him. Now, why is this so important for you and I to understand? Um, because this isn't the first time we've seen someone displaced from home in the Bible. In fact, if you go and you look at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, when it starts to, and tells of the creation of humanity, you see a man and a woman named Adam and Eve that were born there. And, and as they began to flourish, it said that they had unfettered closeness to God. They were close together with one another. They had everything that they need. They lived in a garden paradise. And in that garden paradise, the serpent whispered to them, and they began to discuss the lies the serpent did, and they disobeyed the Lord. And because of their disobedience, sin entered the world. And because of that sin, they had to move away from their home in the garden. Now, there were all kinds of ramifications of that. They, in the garden, had experienced undiminished joy, closeness, connection, freedom, confidence in their life with God and with one another. But when sin entered their life, they fell away, and all those things became broken. Life would be harder now. They would struggle to make ends meet. Uh, They would struggle to get along. Uh, They would struggle to thrive in the world. They would struggle internally with their own junk in their heart. And they would struggle just to survive. And friends, that's why ultimately all families sometimes struggle as well. And why our families sometimes fall short of everything we hope for them. It's why you build such expectations for holidays, and then sometimes they don't meet your expectations, and you feel a little bit let down. Uh, it's why marriages sometimes uh, have, have spats and bicker a little bit. I mean, you guys, maybe not mine, but you, you know, no, we all do, don't we? Mar- it's why marriages sometimes have good moments and bad moments. It's why kids nitpick at one another. It's why relatives sometimes grow distant from one another, and it's why we love to be together on holidays, and it's why we love when everyone goes home. Um, Because sometimes you need a little break, right? But in the mess of our world, family brings us the deepest joy and the deepest pain because home represents the most, most significant, most vulnerable relationships that we have. And so sometimes there's a risk that's there. And friends, that's why it's so important for you to hear me when I say, to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. You need to hear that word today. Jesus left his heavenly home so that we might find a forever home with him. 
You notice who it says has a right to be called children of God. It does not say to those who have it all together. It doesn't say uh, to those who have a successful career. It doesn't say to those who do all the right religious stuff. It doesn't say to those who are born into the right family. It doesn't say to those who have nothing to be ashamed of. It does not say to those who are without struggles and doubts. No, it says to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he have, have a right to be called children of God. That's it. Receive him. Believe in his name and receive the free gift of salvation that he offers. Friends, Jesus came to earth with a purpose, and that was to rescue and redeem you and me. Because we could not build a forever home, and we could not, we could not have, uh, create a house that was always joyful. And so Christ came to give us a new home. And so what I want you to see tonight, I want you to see four things that happen because of faith in Jesus. Because of Jesus, you're a child of God. That if you receive him and believe in him, it says you will be a child of God. You have the rights of family. Now, question for you. Do you think God takes good care of his family? Do you think a heavenly father would take good care of his family? John 14, Jesus gives us a glimpse of the future that he promises. He says, believe in God the Father, believe also in me, his son. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a home for you? And if I go to prepare a home for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That's good news that we have to look forward to, no matter what happens in the days and weeks and years ahead. You notice what Jesus says, in my Father's house. For that, that means it's personal. He's not putting you up in a hotel like you do a guest you don't really want to connect with. He's bringing you to a personal home. He's bringing you into his Father's house. And he says, not only that, he says, you have a room waiting on you. Some of you have never had your own room in your life. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a room for you in my Father's house. Friends, what that means is that you belong. That in his, fi- in his family, you belong. You've got a place waiting for you there. And Jesus says, I go to prepare a place also so that you can be where I am. And isn't that incredible? Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to go pre- prepare a place so that you get to be wherever I am. That means he he desires to be with you. He wants to be connected to you. He wants to be in the same vicinity as you, which means not only do you belong, but it means you're you're wanted. That God wants to have a relationship with you. The last book in the Bible picks up the same theme of home again. Revelation 21 says, I heard in a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place. See, that's that, that word again, right? Christ became flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You get to the very end, uh, at the last chapters of the Bible, uh, at the thing that points to all of eternity, and what does he focus on? He focuses again on a home, and he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. See, the dwelling place of God's with man means God makes his home with us for all eternity. That's what we have to look forward to. A new restored humanity and a new forever paradise. Everything that was undone in Genesis 3, when, when sin entered the world, when suffering began, when, when, when we fell away from the Lord, all of that gets turned back on itself and undone and he restores it all and he renews it all and he create, makes all things new and he gives us a new home with him where he says he even lights it so we don't need light there. And what that means is that In this new home, we'll be forever joyful. Friends, Christmas is good news of great joy. It means that you're a child of God. 
It means that you belong. It means that you're wanted. It means that you're forever joyful. That's the meaning of Christmas. Jesus came to give us a forever home with a forever family and forever joy. And the invitation of Christmas is simply to believe in Jesus. We confess that we are sinners who need his help. We're too broken to build a home of endless joy. We're too weak to build a house that lasts forever. And so we look to him and we receive him and we believe him and we trust that the true light will show us a better way by his grace. We need the word to come and accomplish for us what we could never do on our own. Now friends, let me just ask you how to apply this tonight. What are you going to do with the things we've talked about? Now, maybe you don't, you never, you've never trusted Jesus. Maybe tonight you want to make a decision to receive Jesus and believe in him. And I just would ask you, would you be willing to trust that his way is better and become a child of God tonight? Would you be willing to set aside self and say, I need someone who's stronger than me to show me a better way and to look to Jesus and to receive him, to put your trust in his name tonight? It's as simple as praying and asking God for the free gift that Jesus came to bring to earth, asking him to make you a child of God and then trusting that he'll do so. And I just say, if you're making that decision tonight, would you just come talk to me after the service so I can celebrate with you, so I can pray with you, so we can just rejoice together that you have become a child of God and that you have a forever family and a forever home that will be forever filled with joy. And maybe you've made that decision in the past and you've put your faith in Christ. And so friends, for those of you that have trusted Christ before, would you just take this evening and would you just remember what it means to rejoice? that you're a child of God. Not to let it become old hat, not to let it become something that, that happened a long time ago, but would you, just, would you just rest in that moment right now and go, I am a child of God with a forever family and a forever home and joy that lasts forever because of Jesus. That's ultimately what Christmas is all about. And so, friends, as we, as we live out in, under that joy, uh, my encouragement to you would just be, would you just set aside your earthly worries tonight? And through this season, would you, would you set aside your technological and screen, technology and screen distractions that, uh, that, that, discuss, that, that distract you from uh, the things that are most important? Would you um, set aside your bickering and fighting? Would you set aside your man-made pressure to perform? Would you set aside all the things that weigh you down and just rejoice in the fact that you're a child of God, loved by him? Uh, it's the most important thing we can do. Let me pray for us. Father, I do pray for each of us that we might know your grace. We might know the love that's obvious in the person of Jesus. Father, thank you that you did not withhold him, but that you sent him to the earth, away from his heavenly home, but that he became one of us that we might become like him. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, each Christmas we light candles as a way to remember what it is that Christ has done um, for us. And in this, we remember that he's the true light for all to see. And we pass the light from one another. And and we get to celebrate. So if you've got your candles, you might pull those out. But we pass the light of Jesus uh, from one person to another, remembering that the light is something that was meant to be shared, that we're not meant to hide the light but that ultimately that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And our privilege as representatives of Christ is to shine the light in all the dark places of our city. So friends, let's, let's share the light tonight.